Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I'm going to answer some listener questions, which is always fun. That will include managing multiple projects and how to stay sane and make sure you're getting things done, especially when you have a side hustle going on. I'll talk about how much guidance to provide for writers and the pros and cons of providing more or less information and guidance to your writers and what I would do with $500 to reinvest each month on a site. And I'll give a little more context for at least a couple of those questions. I'm going to also bring a little bit of, uh, not news, but some, some other listeners sent in information about the Google update, the June 2021 Core Web Vitals update, which um, I'll give a little bit more information about too, but they let me know what happened with their traffic. A few people did let me know, and it's kind of on the tails of the 2X Accelerator case study. I think that's what we're calling it. Christy has actually seen a decline in traffic by a significant amount. So we're still working through it. And we actually have the blog update over on Niche Site Project, but I haven't done the interview with Christy yet, or at least um, at least not the time that I'm recording this right now. So I hope to catch up with her really soon and hopefully we'll have a little bit more information about the traffic decline, which I don't I don't know if it's Google algorithm related. And it was actually in the last week of May. So I'll put a link so you could check out the blog post. There's a lot of information and Christy is, you know, navigating this basically a shitty time where traffic has dropped. She essentially was working on her site for two and a half years and never saw a significant drop in traffic. She saw a few times where traffic sort of leveled off and the growth plateaued for a little while. And that actually could have been some algorithm updates or loss in rankings, but she has been growing the site so much and putting so much into it that if there was a decline in growth, it really just looked like a leveling off. So anyway, I'll give a little more background on that. Um, when I get into those details, but if you want to let me know, shoot me an email at feedback at doug.show to let me know what your traffic has done here in uh, the June timeframe of 2021. Let's talk about the core web vitals. And I've pulled up the search console help page. And this is about the core web vitals report. And the subheading here is fix poor user experiences on your site. The core web vitals report will show you how your pages perform. And that's based on real world usage data. Sometimes we call that field data. And you can learn more about some of these details over on the blog. They also cite that your page load time really impacts your bounce rates. So if the load time increases from one second to three seconds, your bounce rate will probably increase by 32% or so. And then one second to six seconds, your bounce rate will increase by something like 106%. And they have some case study data there. And on a personal note, I can tell you if it takes a long time for a page to load, I'm probably gonna bounce. So I am hoping this is going to increase page load times and 
the other thing, uh, which we'll get into a little bit more, is really about the user experience. And I can tell you, my wife was looking up a recipe the other day. She actually wasn't a recipe. She was doing some research because we painted our kitchen table. So she, she was doing a little research about uh, painting and maybe distressing a table so it looks like it's worn a little bit. It'll naturally happen, trust me. But she was she was looking something up. That's the point. And then I heard her cussing, cussing like I, I would cuss because she's looking something up. And every time she would try to read the little section, an ad would pop up and push all of the content on her phone in some other direction. So she couldn't read it. Plus there was like a fucking video playing at the top and then some other playing at the bottom. And then the ads were popping in and out. So she couldn't read anything on the webpage. And I've had this happen several times myself in recent memory. And it's, it's actually mind boggling that the ad companies are doing that. And I, it just doesn't make sense to me. Now, of course, people running a website, they're trying to make money. So they may not actually care about the user experience so much, but hopefully, well, Google, <laughs> Google and their algorithm updates, uh, you know, have mixed feelings about the way they do them. But in general, I'm hoping this has the overall uh, outcome that we'll have better websites and we won't have to deal with this kind of nonsense. Honestly, if sites are doing that where the content is moving, I, I hope they get zero traffic coming up. Uh, like I can honestly tell you that. Like, fuck those sites, man. Fuck those people. Fuck the ads. Um, let, let's go ahead and get them off the first page. Cut all their traffic up. Make them fix that shit. <sighs> okay, so I'm a little passionate about that, apparently, because I just want to read the stuff on the web page. But back to um, all that stuff was not on the help page <laughs> for support.google.com. That was just my editorial uh, opinion on a couple of those items. So overall, they're using real user data. And one thing, and I've probably said it on the, the show here a couple of times, I have a pretty fast loading site and I've worked very hard over the last couple of years to the point where I've obsessed to you know strip away a lot of the tools that I was using for niche site projects specifically. And often my site will load under, you know, three quarters of a second, half a second for some pages. And I can tell you, I'm looking at my niche site project, search console, uh, core web vitals report under mobile, which is kind of the important one. I, I basically ignore the desktop. Uh, if the mobile is loading fine, the desktop is going to be fine. And typically there's no issues with a desktop connection or anyone viewing my site. But I'm looking at this report from mobile and I see that there are 69 URLs for mobile that need improvement which seems like a lot to me. So I open the report and I see, sure enough, there's 69, um, there's 13 good <laughs> experiences, zero poor, but there's 69 that need improvement. And it's in the area of the LCP. And the LCP is the largest contentful paint. So we're, you know, we're introduced to new vocabulary. And I honestly, I don't know what to do to fix that. 
And the aggregate LCP is the time that it takes for 75% of the visits to a URL in this group to reach the LCP. And that's the largest contentful paint. And that's how much time it takes for the browser to render the largest visible element in the viewport. Okay, so I think that is probably the title. Um, I had my friend Olga do a technical audit on Niche Site Project, and she mentioned that she thought it maybe it's just the title. And I, I need to maybe make the title smaller, just make the font size smaller, which I thought I adjusted that pretty quickly because that's, uh, I think, a fairly straightforward thing to do. But I'll be honest with you, I haven't gone back to check to see if it actually made it smaller on mobile uh, to the point where it's not an issue anymore. But I can tell you, 69 pages here are having that sort of trouble. So I thought to myself, well, I'm going to go over to the Google Page Speed Insight tool and enter in one of the URLs that they said has uh, some trouble loading and has, uh, you know, poor it's a cautionary tale, I guess, right? So there's a couple couple URLs listed. I grabbed one arbitrarily, put it in. I tested it three times on the Google PSI. It does vary because uh, I believe it pulls the data real time, renders the page. So sometimes there's network slowdowns and sometimes it's just going to load a little slower. So I'm just going to tell you the mobile, actually, I'll tell you all the scores. So one time it was 94 for mobile and it was 100 for desktop. Another time it was 95 for mobile and it was 100 for desktop. And then another time it was 79 and 97 for the desktop. The lower score seems to be impacted by, uh, I think it was just a little bit longer loading time. So the server response time, but otherwise it, it seems like most of the time the server response is is pretty quick as noted by the 90 and 95 and 94 mobile score for the Google page speed insight. That said, I thought, Hey, I'm going to test it with another tool just to check. So I used pingdom, which is kind of my go-to just quick page speed. I tested from a server in North America out of Washington, DC, same page. I checked it in the same, you know, two minute period. The performance grade is a B it's an 88. The page size is 276 kilobytes. There's 16 requests and the load time was 641 milliseconds. All of that is pretty good. It's a small page size. 16 requests is nothing. That's pretty respectable. And a load time of 641 milliseconds. That's also very good. So overall, my point is I'm getting dinged on my core web vitals for a LCP issue longer than 2.5 seconds on mobile. And uh, turns out when I test it, that page loads pretty fast most of the time. So again, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this report? I, I'm not 100% sure. It seems like it's loading pretty fast most of the time. And one other thing on the core web vitals report it, uh, it's occurring to me, this may not be uh, super helpful, but perhaps you realize the frustration, right? Maybe you are having the same experience. Maybe your site doesn't even load as fast as mine. It doesn't have the same kind of scores and you're you know, facing the same issues. Or, well, I think this will be pretty funny. 
you may have a site that loads slower, it has poor metrics, but you're passing the core web vitals report because of other optimizations that I am somehow screwing up. So if you're in that boat, let me know too. I, I, I would love to learn from uh, people in the audience that have solved this problem. So the other thing uh, that I was going to say here is essentially what happens with this core web vital stuff is Google is looking at the field data, the, the real data from people on a mobile device, potentially on a bad network. That's my assumption. And they're, they're showing us the information from the worst performing users. So I'll mention it again. They're showing us the data for the worst performing users. So yeah, I guess the, the PSI in, in the different tests that you can do out there, maybe those are pretty good servers. It's not like real world activity, not real users on your site. So I can understand why if I'm using Pingdom, maybe it doesn't provide the, the best, most accurate uh, sort of simulation of a user. But I, I would expect the PSI tool that Google provides developers is accurate. So I wish they would sync it up a little bit more. I, I mean, they're nice enough to give us the uh, PSI <laughs> tool so that we can at least see some of the information. But, you know, I, I've heard some people talk about this where you can score well on the PSI and then the the real world data is not favorable. So again, I'm a little bit... I'm not too concerned because the fact is my site does load fast for most users most of the time. So my assumption is there's just a handful of users that have, you know, shitty mobile connections and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what kind of speed they have or what kind of device they have, but my hunch is it's more on their network end versus my website. I mean, there's there's nothing, I'm, I'm not delivering anything big. And then when I think about, oh, a site that has a couple videos playing and is pushing the content all around, I mean, that's obviously a much worse experience. It clearly takes longer to load, even if I'm sitting here on my computer computer with fiber to the house and I'm hardwired in and I have a very fast, a very respectable internet connection and a fast computer too. So I, I wonder how this is going to shake out. So Core Web Vitals update started rolling out in early June. I hear there's going to be a second rollout in July. And uh, there, there were actually rumors that it was going to get pushed out farther into the the summer or even the early fall, but I, I guess they decided, hey, let's let's roll this shit out. Uh, we'll we'll do it in two waves and just see what happens. See what happens. <laughs> so that said, I'm going to roll a little ad from our sponsor, Ezoic. You probably heard me talk about the Ezoic. Site Speed Accelerator, which is being retired and it is being replaced by Leap, L-E-A-P. And depending on when you listen to this episode, it might be out already or it could be on the way. So here are some fast facts about Leap. Number one, it is free and Ezoic is replacing the Site Speed Accelerator with Leap prior to the Google UX update. 
Leap will be completely free when using Ezoic's monetization, that is the ad tester. And Leap includes all the features and tools needed to achieve good core web vitals. And I'm reading the copy here. Good is italicized. So maybe I would use air quotes. I'm not 100% sure what good means, but it's definitely not bad and it's positive. So it's going to be helpful for your core web vitals. Leap is the new tool set, a new tool set to uncover and fix the root causes of poor load times. And Ezoic will provide data on how various technologies and hosts affect all sites. So there's going to be a lot of cool data. You can sign up to uh, be notified. I think it's pretty easy to get to. It's um, link in the description. All right. I'm not going to read out a, a link here, but you can sign up to be notified and you can start using it right away. If you're using Ezoic, you'll be able to, you know, hook right in. Now, check out Ezoic Leap. Thanks for the sponsorship. And uh, if you're not using Ezoic, if you've never checked it out, if you're not quite sure, go have a look at the blog. There's tons of great information. And I really like working with the folks at Ezoic. Quick side note from Christy and her update. Again, I'll put a link in the show notes so you can check out her blog post and update for the month of May. Funny thing is she hit, well, it's not funny specifically, but it's more uh, ironic. I think that's the right word. She hit record revenue again for May. So most of May was actually on uh, a, a tear higher traffic than normal. Things were going great around uh, May 24th or so. Traffic declined and then it did again the following day. And I think, you know, when it was all said and done, traffic dropped by something like uh, close to 50% um, by the number of page views, I think. Something on that magnitude. So significant traffic drop. The thing is, we were looking at uh, with a week or two leading up, we were trying to improve her site speed. She actually had a team uh, work on it and the site speed improved tremendously because uh, I'll be honest with you, it was garbage before. And it's something that I had talked to Christy about and, and try to improve the site speed. And she has uh, more of a eye of a designer and really, you know, the aesthetics of the site are far more important to her than they are to me. So I have a site that looks like Niche Site Project or some of my other sites, which are ultra simple, plain vanilla, small images. It's not really driven by images or high res or anything like that. So the point is we were working on Christie's site to get the uh, speed improved. And the team that we worked with, which I'll be sharing information about them uh, probably in this future episode or email list, uh, email newsletter, something like that. But basically uh, they got the site speed from, you know, some abysmal load times of somewhere between six and 10 seconds for some of the more popular pages on her site down to, like a second and a half to two and a half seconds. I mean, lightning fast compared to what she was dealing with before. And there was a little snafu. I'm not 100% sure if some of the speed optimization that was done after this 
particular agency worked on her site. She has her own developer. Christy has a developer she's worked with for years and they did some other optimization. And I have to say it, the, the closeness of the traffic decline with the tweaks that her developer made are way too close for me to ignore. Now it's absolutely possible that there was some minor algorithm update in late May on the 22nd or 23rd. If you do a search on Google, you will find some information that there was some algorithm and rankings shifts around that time in the last week of May before the Core Web Vitals update or the June update, as we're calling it, uh, came around. So it's really unclear. And this that's one of the Oh, it's so frustrating because we just don't know if something that we have done to the site, let's say we change a theme or we get a link or two from a specific website and then our rankings drop. We have this confirmation bias working against us. So we think, oh, well, we made a change and then something happened and we think, the cause and effect is directly related, but there's so many variables. And even though we improved the site speed and then made some other tweaks, and then the traffic drop a couple of days after that, it doesn't mean it's necessarily related to the optimization, the speed optimization that was done. It could have been something else. It could have been a small rollout of the Core Web Vitals update for example, or it could have been something completely unrelated and we just don't know. So one thing that I advised Christy, which we'll talk about whenever we get to interview or should be coming up really soon, is that I always pull like a, a backup of my website before I'm doing work on it or anything like that. Because if something goes wrong, you want to be able to roll back and have a fail-safe situation. Well, we ran into some issues with that. And we'll I'll save that for whenever I interview Christy. But sh- she's not able to roll back in the most efficient way, which would be having snapshots on a daily basis for you know several weeks. She, do- she doesn't have that available. So we'll get into all those details, but that would be a a great way. She could just roll back to when the site speed was optimized, but before the traffic drop happened, which would give us some, you know, snapshot a day in time where things were running fast and there was still traffic or the same traffic levels that were uh, going through May, those high traffic levels. So If you are about to make changes, if you're about to do optimization, make sure you have backups. Make sure you have backups like incrementally along the way. I personally was just doing some uh, optimization for some of the SEO cleanup for niche site project earlier today. I realized that it was going to be a little bit faster if I did a database search and replace. So I hopped over to PHP my admin and started making some changes. However, before I start messing around with a database, I'll always pull a manual backup snapshot. So if I screw things up and then my site doesn't load anymore, I can just restore it. I use a fairly inexpensive tool called ManageWP and you can get daily backups off-site. 
It's all automated. It's very straightforward. You have a one button click restore. And I think it costs under $2 per month per website. So I have all my websites over there backed up. If you're a developer or a, you know, web, I guess a website builder and you manage a lot of client sites, for example, I would 100% use Manage WP. There's a full dashboard there and I'm not even an affiliate for it. It's too damn cheap. I mean, even if every person listening to this uh, ordered it through my affiliate link, if I had one, it would be uh, pennies per month. It It wouldn't even matter. So the point is, it's a good tool and I use it and you can update all your plugins on the same dashboard for multiple different sites and you could pull it back up before you even do those. It's all very easy to use and I I encourage you to uh, check it out. Again, it's it's so cheap and once you have it set up, you're good to go. It's it's a very user-friendly tool and if you're a developer, it'd be perfect. I mean, it's so cheap, plus it does like half the work for you. You can keep someone's site up to date, all the latest plugins, have backups if they need to roll it back, if they make a mistake, if you make one, whatever. A couple people did send in info about their traffic. So Benno said that traffic was down for him in May. It actually dropped by a pretty significant amount, like 20 or 30%, something like that, towards the end of May. But then in June, traffic's up even higher than before. So that's that's pretty cool. That's good news. And then uh, Rutger said the traffic skyrocketed. He sent over a screenshot of his search console data and it looked like it just about doubled. Now, as I mentioned before, Google tells us that they're rolling out this Core Web Vitals update in uh, June right now, and they're going to do a second wave in July. So there's probably going to be some churn. It sounds like they're going to tweak some things after it's rolled out. So we'll see how it goes. Me personally, I've seen very minor little uh, changes. So a couple sites are up and, and I think one site is down just a little bit, but nothing dramatic. And I I'll honestly say I don't think any of my sites were impacted because the up and down kind of fits with the overall trend line for any one of the sites that I'm referencing. So I don't think I've been impacted by these updates at all. I would hope with my lightning fast loading sites that maybe I would get a little more traffic or something like that, but uh, you know, it's not happening. Not happening yet anyway. So if you have news, like I said, feedback at Doug.show, let me know if your site has gotten more traffic or less traffic or if you see any changes in the last few weeks, including in late May. If you saw any changes that last week or so in May, we'll be very interested. And I'll give you a shout out, just like I did for uh, Rutger and Benno. All right, we've got a few questions we're going to hit here. So number one, Managing multiple projects. I get this in different forms and I I was doing a coaching call this past week. Someone was sort of uh, struggling with figuring out how to work on a couple different websites, 
plus they have a day job. And of course, you have uh, family, friends, uh, different obligations and things that you need to tend to, even if it's just, you know, household activities and keeping your house, uh, you know, clean or doing the, the laundry or whatever. It can be a struggle. And I was in the same boat before I got laid off and I was working my full-time gig, occasionally traveling, not too much. I was largely working from home, so that was extremely helpful, but I was working on multiple websites. I was blogging about it over at Niche Site Project, and I had my full-time job. That stretch of time in, I would say, 2013 to 2015 or so, I was extremely productive. When I look back and I see that I I learned so much about affiliate marketing and SEO and started Niche Site Project, that's a huge amount of uh, sort of work in a, I guess, what word am I looking for? It's, uh, I had output, I had products, I was producing and I was putting things out into the world. I was learning about these new things that I didn't know anything about, SEO and affiliate marketing. And at the same time, I was working on getting promoted and I eventually got promoted. It must've been in 20, it could have been in 2013, but it could have been in 2014. But in that time frame, and it's a promotion that I had been working on for years. And the thing is, when I look back, I really got a lot done and I really just woke up earlier on a lot of mornings and I worked a couple weekends, but I honestly can say I was having a great time. I, I traveled quite a bit. I spent a couple months out of Georgia at that time. I lived in the Atlanta area back then. I spent a couple months in the Denver area and I spent a month in Austin, also visited family various times. And then finally, right before I got laid off in 2015, I was basically, I guess, a digital nomad type. Although I never identified that way. I always felt like the nomad thing was a little, I don't know. For some reason, I I, I never identified as a digital nomad, even though I was location independent, was running my own business and I could do it from anywhere. And I, I had been for whatever reason, I was like, ah, I'm not going to call myself that. So I never have. Nothing against that. I think it's totally fine. So anyway, the point is, I got a shitload done during that period. And a lot of it was just waking up 4 a.m., drinking some coffee, and doing a lot of work on my own side hustles before I started my day job stuff. I think think it's rough on your uh, system overall. I was getting probably six hours of sleep per night, which was enough to get by. I I probably took longer to do things than normal. And I probably, honestly, I, I probably did a worse job. I probably, I probably had lower quality work because I was a little tired and I'm certain that I was a little cranky. I know drinking a lot of caffeine will get get me a little wired. Uh, and, and I actually am fairly tolerant to caffeine, but I was drinking a tremendous amount. I would say like a liter and a half a day or something. I'd make a huge pot, 
then I'd drink the whole fucking thing and just be cruising through most of the day. And then I'd hit a wall in the afternoon. But I got a lot done. Not everyone can operate like that. Some people definitely will um, need more sleep. And I, and I encourage you to sleep more. I mean, if you want to, if you want to feel smarter and be less stressed out, get more sleep. It's, it's magic. It's, it's really important. But if you need to carve out some time because you have a priority, which I respect for your side hustle or whatever it is you're doing, then, you know, wake up earlier. For me personally, I like to wake up early and I get my best work done first thing in the morning, especially if I'm trying to think of, you know, if I need to produce something new and come up with new ideas, the the freshness of the, the morning is critical for me. So wake up earlier. If you are, if you're looking at your multiple projects and you're not sure how to divide it up, it's difficult because there just has to be a trade-off. There are only so many hours in the day and you can steal some hours from sleep, but that can only take you so far. At some point, you are going to have to prioritize things and let things fall. Hopefully, you are in a position where you can identify the things that you can let fall without any large consequence. So essentially, I'm telling you to ignore certain things so that you can focus really hard on your priority. I think it's it's so tempting, and I've done this, and I, I still do it to some extent, where I spread myself a little too thin, and I have a too many projects, and I probably should just cut out more. Now, I've gotten better and better at saying no to things so that I could focus on the, the certain areas that I, I am actually choosing that I want to spend time on. So, I encourage you to do the same. One of the, the big risks is when you have multiple websites, for example, not None have taken off yet. Let's say you have three sites and you've launched them at various times and maybe your first one, you launched it by itself and it did okay, but you made a few mistakes and and then you realized that you wanted to check out another niche or two and you understand keyword research a little bit better. Maybe you found yourself a new interest and you're going to aim in that direction and that's absolutely fine. No big deal with that. So you have uh, maybe a few sites going and you feel the pull to these different projects. You feel the obligation that you need to keep putting time into each one. And again, I, I feel this as well. I feel it constantly still, even though I'm trying to cut this stuff out. But if you're able to, you can just ignore things for a, a little while and just know that you can always come back to those projects that you're ignoring when the time is right and put time into those projects again. If you're lucky, one of your one of your sites or one of your endeavors is going to take off and it'll be the successful one. And then you'll feel more confident to just ignore the ones that you put on the back burner and maybe even get rid of them. It's hard to do. And I still have, (laughs) I'm laughing, I'm laughing because there are 
a few sites like that for me and they're still on the back burner and I'm slowly either trying to figure out how to get rid of them or sort of reinvigorate them and push them into another direction, which I think I have potentially a cool case study to come come our way hopefully in the next couple months. I need to get a couple of things in place, but it could be a cool thing where uh, honestly I may try to... Yeah, this is side tangent here, but stick with me. I may try to do this case study where it's a site that I've had for, <laughs> I've had it for like uh, three years and I've worked on it since 2015. Uh, but I bought out the, the partner that I was working on with it. And I have an idea to do something with it where potentially it could earn a, a pretty good chunk of change in a short time frame, going from, you know, roughly making. 10 bucks a month or something like that to hundreds per month in super short time frame and then potentially I would I would sell it for uh, well, obviously for profit but just sell it to get rid of it but just prove the business model pass it along to someone else and they can you know do whatever they want with it they could pivot into another area they could keep doing the same thing and it's interesting to me because if it does work I'm pretty sure I could do it again and again and just sort of have like a a profitable little business model. Sure, I could keep it for myself. Sure, I can put systems in there, hire a team to do all that stuff. But if you listen to the show, you know that I really don't want the hassle with all that stuff. So it could be a cool thing where I could spawn up a business, take three months, two, three months to get a little bit of earnings in some proof of concept, and then it'll be sort of just a turnkey situation. And it's a it's a business model. It's, it's so vague. I'll tell you about it soon. But it's so vague. Uh, but it's it's out there, and it's kind of like right underneath our noses. But I think if you had the right if you had the right systems in place. It would, it would be very, very easy to run and very straightforward for someone to take over. So maybe that'll be something I talk about in the future. Who knows? I've had a few projects kind of fall apart this year. Like I had that, uh, the other YouTube channel, which technically is still there. And I was going to put out some challenge videos and just different lifestyle, productivity, whatever. And I never really got going on that. I still have all the footage for dry January and here we are in June. I even started working on a script a little bit, but honestly what happened was I started chatting about starting another podcast with my friend Carl and then we've done that. So it's going well and I'm happy that I moved on and all that. Technically, I actually thought about it the other day. I thought about pulling all the all the footage from dry January, getting it over to my editor and putting that out. But we'll, we'll see. I, I may actually still do it, but that's the point. Sometimes you just, you have a great project. You have something with legs. I am interested in that other YouTube channel. And then something came up instead. And technically I could have put in more time, spent more time on YouTube versus honestly, just taking more leisure time. So I opted for the leisure time. And well, obviously I started the other podcast. So that takes some time as well. 
If you haven't checked it out, it's Mile High Fi, the Mile High Fi podcast. We talk about personal finance and financial independence. We have had uh, two guests on, uh, actually big guests. So one was Mindy Jensen. That's my uh, podcast partner's wife. And her podcast over at Bigger Pockets, I think it's had uh, over 15 million downloads. And then another big guest is J.L. Collins. He wrote The Simple Path to Wealth, which was a self-published book. It is a self-published book that came out a few years ago and it sold 300,000 copies. Again, self-published. Absolutely amazing. So we have about uh, seven shows out at this point. So do do check it out. I appreciate it if you have the time to uh, you know download, leave a review, all that kind of stuff. But if you're not into personal finance, it would surprise me. And if you're not into financial independence, also that would surprise me. There's a huge overlap with, I think, entrepreneurs and people that want to have financial freedom. All right, next question. Yeah, I got to move move faster. Taking too long. Too many tangents. All right, next question is how much guidance should I give writers? So the more information you can give a writer, the better. If you can provide an outline, that's really good. That's going to save them some time. And then if you're able to provide references for them, especially if you put it in the section of the outline and you could think of the outline as sort of the subheadings of what the article would be. So if you can give them the references and the outline, it means they don't have to do that. They don't have to create the outline. They can just focus on synthesis and writing. If they don't have to go and do the research, that's helpful too. If they have it on the silver platter, it's gonna be easier for them to write and you're probably going to end up with a better product at the end of the day. The other part is your expectations are right there. Your expectations for what the article is going to be are given to the writer. So the writer has an idea of what you're looking for. It's much more likely that they're going to be able to to deliver what you want if you give them more information. So if you can do an outline, give them the references, you're going to have a a better outcome just in general. That said, I almost never do it. All right. I mean, I'm, I'm lazy just like the rest of you guys and gals out there. So I have done that in the past for certain articles. Most of the time, especially when I've done, you know, big content sprints, I've published a lot of content. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing all that now. One way that, I mean, you're hiring someone anyway, and depending on how many people are on your team or what you're trying to do, you potentially could have a content manager slash editor, some higher level person who's not doing the writing specifically, but maybe serving as an editor. Maybe that person, that content manager is creating the outlines and doing the research. Maybe it's someone that has worked with you for a little bit longer. Maybe it's a writer that you promoted, for example. So if you're able to have someone do that, and then maybe you just have a quick look at the outline, then you don't have to spend the extra time doing it. There's a huge range of our audience here. So some people have 
no money to invest and they're 100% doing all the work. Some other people have a lot more money and no time to invest. So figure out where you are in that range. It's probably good if you have the ability to hire someone to just test it out. You don't have to hire someone to do all your content or all your uh, you know work in general. But if you can find someone that can do just a little bit it'll help you build the skills for hiring and just working with freelancers. Extremely helpful because, you know, sometime in the future, hopefully you will have a little bit more budget to hire freelancers or whatever agencies you need. Now, if you hire an agency, which, you know, I have sponsors that are agencies and you can save a lot of time that way, of course, but it's far more expensive for usually worse quality. A lot of times that's what you're going to find. And I hear it from, you know, people across the board. They try so many different content companies. And the fact is for an agency to work and be profitable, they have to hire people cheap. There's a layer or two of management. There's account managers, there's project managers, and they have to pay those people too. So at the end of the day, someone else is hiring a cheap writer and then they're layering on management. And then they're also, the agency is making money. So when you look at the margins, you look at the extra management, if you're able to hire people directly, you're probably going to be able to get it for you know half the price or less for the same quality writer. I mean, there's no fucking way around it, right? I mean, if, if an agency is going to stay in business, they have to pay them the management and then they have to pay the owners. Otherwise, you don't have a business. They go out of business. So if you just think about it that way, then, well, number one, it's clear that you'll get higher quality writing if you hire writers directly. And it's also clear why there's so many content companies. Because if you have the ability to hire people and you're able to build a team and add layers of management and create systems, well, then that's pretty valuable. Of course, let me jump in and say the trade-off to hiring people directly is, well, by definition, you have to hire people directly. You are managing them. You have to find them. You have to put up the job listing. You have to do all that shit. So, of course, an agency brings a lot of value if they're able to uh, just have the writers on staff, have the editors on staff. They don't have to go through all that stuff. They just assign the work and move forward. So overall, if you give your writer more information, you will end up with better content at the end and the expectations are clear for for you to the writer and the writer to you. uh, There's a lot more um, communication that happens when you provide that additional information. So an outline references, perfect way to go. All right, last question here. If you had $500 to invest in a site, where would you put the money? And the context here is, and I'll, I'll sort of generalize, I won't give the exact details, but if it, let's say you have a site making two to 300 per month or so, and you want to get it to $2,000 per month, where would you put the money? Well, there's no right answer for this, but there's a couple good options here. Overall, there's a, there's a couple things you could do. 
basically you can add more content or you could do promotion for your site in the form of link building. So we'll, we'll call it promotion, but really it's link building to improve your rankings. And there are some camps that will tell you, hey, just do content. Don't do any link building because it's too risky. And there's some other people that say, hey, just you know, focus on uh, more on link building and really high quality content. But you know, maybe you don't have to publish a thousand articles. Maybe you just have really high quality content and you have a handful of several dozen articles, maybe. So I'm, I'm right in the middle. I know there's great value in high quality content. I know there's great value in the link building too. So I typically will do about 50-50. So if I'm dividing my resources, whether it's my time or capital, or if I'm reinvesting from the profits of a site, I will often split it roughly 50-50 because I'm right in the middle there. I think it's really important to have the high quality content, solid keyword research, all that stuff. But I also feel like backlinks are really important. And sure, you can get by with not building any backlinks directly. Yes, potentially it's more risky Maybe you don't even know if certain links are helping your site at all, which you probably won't know. And then you're, you're sort of left like, oh, well, should I even build backlinks at all? Especially if it's risky. Well, I can tell you that Christy, who we talked about at the beginning of the episode, she wasn't doing any weird link building. She wasn't doing any crazy guest post campaigns, no shotgun skyscraper. She was doing legit networking. Any links that she has are either just natural organic links where someone links to her site, or she actually worked directly with a uh, influencer or YouTuber or another blogger. They had a relationship they have worked together in some capacity and maybe they've linked back and forth. She literally has done no actual link building. So it's the least risky, you know, links that she could possibly do. And here we are talking about how she lost some traffic. And this is the point that I've tried to make, you know, many times before, but I never had a specific example or case study in play where I could say, Hey, you know, this person never did any weird link building, yet their traffic has gone down and there's no specific reason why. And it's definitely not through shady link building. You know, that's completely unrelated. So the fact is, I mean, and this is the point I'm trying to make here, even if you don't do any link building, there's a risk because Google has updates and they have an algorithm. And sometimes, you know, you're doing something that wasn't an issue before, but it is now an issue. Or sometimes you just get caught in the crossfire and there's collateral damage with these Google updates. You can find historically through some of the big updates where very large websites were impacted through you know different algorithm updates, some giant ones. I feel like uh, maybe a recent one, uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia got hit. And well, like normal, I didn't do as much research. I thought of that one on the fly, but algorithm updates can kick anyone in the ass. So you gotta, you gotta look out for that. So I would generally split that $500 per month, 
uh, roughly 50-50 on content and then 50 on link building or some sort of promotion. I would also look on the content side at improving existing content and shout out to niche website builders for their FAQ service. That is a great way to get a quick return, a quick impact because you can identify certain pages on your site, certain URLs that are already ranking well, they're doing fine, and you potentially can just add FAQs to those, or you could hire a company like Niche Website Builders to add FAQs to those pages, and you'll pull in more traffic, long tail traffic. It's been awesome. Uh, on the on the several sites that I've done this on, and it's consistently worked for me for years. And you know, FAQs are even more uh, common these days. It's right there in the Googled featured snippet area, or I guess they're not a featured snippet, but they're featured uh, other questions or whatever they say. People also ask. That's what it's called. So, if you have an opinion on that, I'd, I'd love to know. I think you know the the easiest thing and. I mean, a lot of people just like adding more content because it it generally works pretty well. But if you look at your rankings and you identify maybe a couple URLs where you're ranking it on the first page and you just don't have any links going there, if you can add a couple links, it maybe will help a lot, especially if you look and you see that the other pages that are ranking ahead of you have a couple links that are niche relevant, then I mean why not give it a shot? Why not try it out and see how it works for you? So I'm actually testing out a couple companies right now for their guest posting service. There's there's so many out there and it's it's quite a big, big industry at this point. I'm always nervous to try other companies, but I am, I'm testing one out. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I'll be able to bring you a little bit more information and actually share exactly which links they are too, because I am getting a couple for Niche Site Project. I want to be able to share some of the the links and the specific data, the specific metrics for the site and all that stuff. So we'll see how it goes. I don't think we'll necessarily be able to see any specific rankings improvement just from the nature of where I'm getting the links, which, well, I can tell you, it's just to the homepage, (laughs) just to the homepage, just to get a little bit more branded stuff or, or maybe it's specific pages. Gosh, I can't remember now. Well, I'll let you know whenever the, the links are built and I'll give you the metrics and maybe we'll actually be able to see some rankings improvement. All right. Well, that's it for today. Hopefully we'll get you an update for Christy in the, in the next couple of weeks as well. And I hope we'll be able to, you know, see her site recover after, we uh, potentially roll back some of the tweaks that were done. A very strange situation. Either that, or you know, we're we're just going to see um, you know a recovery and growth over time. I mean, I've seen this a lot of times where a site will get hit, traffic drops, keep moving forward. What what are you going to do? Throw the whole thing away? No, you're going to keep publishing content. You're going to keep trying to grow the site. You're going to improve the content, which you know Christie's consistently done over the last two and a half years. So there's no reason to not keep moving forward. Just a minor setback. And I'll be honest with you. And I I told Christy this, I mean, 
it's rare to go two and a half years to have like zero impact on your site from algorithm updates. And her her site has not been hit in two and a half years. Very unusual, super unusual. Usually there's there's a little uptick or a downtick or some some something. There's usually something. And hers was just steady growth the whole time. Pretty crazy. All right. Have a good day out there. We'll catch you on the next episode.